Hi, this is Braden Holpe. Hey, this is Tanner the Bulldozer Bozer. Hi, this is Brian Burke from Toronto, Ontario. This is Daryl Sutter. Hello, everyone. I'm Carly Agro from Sportsnet Central. This is Jay Onright. This is Quick Dick Quick Dick coming to you from Tufnell, Saskatchewan. Hey, everybody. My name is Theo Fleury. This is Kelly Rudy. This is Corey Cross. This is Wade Redden. This is Jordan Tutu. My name is Jim Patterson. Hey, it's Ron McLean, HockeyNet in Canada and Rogers Hometown Hockey, and welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy 2021. 2021. Let's say that again. 2021. Feels good to be out of 2020, let me tell you. Uh, One of the cool things I'm going to got going on this year, one of my goals for the podcast, you know, besides releasing an episode every Monday, Wednesday, have no fear, 104 new episodes coming in 2021. Uh, Already excited about it. Um, Got some cool guests uh, that we're trying to get. Some cool guests that we've gotten and are going to come up. Um, But overall, we're going to try and make 2021 a a memorable year. I got a couple goals here in 2021. First, uh, a goal of mine has been is to be more interactive with you. Now, whether you're driving to work, Maybe you're heading back uh, from holidays, you're out in the tractor working, or maybe out for a walk. I want to hear what you folks think about the latest and greatest. Um, so let's make it simple. In the show notes, I've posted my phone number. I'm going to post it on all the all the episodes moving forward. I'm going to retrace my steps and put it in every single one. So if you're listening, I want to hear what you think. So shoot me a test with su- text with suggestions thoughts or maybe you just want to chat i'm looking forward to the possibilities of 2021 and i've learned pretty damn quick that some of the best possibilities come from you guys and uh, guess you want to hear or thoughts you have uh on the show and i want it to be i want it to be interactive so if you have ideas uh let me know so go to the show notes in there's a phone number text me and you're gonna get a hold of me all right now the other thing is, is I'm uh, in when I start off shows. Sometimes I don't get it right. Sometimes I uh, screw up. Uh, those are the so-called bloopers that nobody ever hears. And I'm gonna start uh, today, as I've already screwed up a couple times. Instead of deleting them, I'm gonna save them, and uh, they're gonna go for bloopers after the show's done. So if you want to hear me call myself an idiot, by all means, stick around, and uh, you can hear some of that. All right. Now, that's just a couple of the fun things. Let's start off with 2021 and a bang. Uh, we got a great guest today. He's a funny guy. But before we get there, let's get to today's episode sponsors. Carly Clausen, the team over at Windsor Plywood, builders of the podcast studio table. I cannot wait to have more guests in this studio. Uh, COVID needs to piss off already. Um, for everything wood, these are the guys, whether we're talking about mantles, decks, windows, doors, or sheds. When you want quality, stop in and see the group at Windsor Plywood. Or, like I keep telling, just hop on your phone. Everybody's got it out. And look at their Instagram or Facebook page, their social media, and just look at the work they do. Or give them a call, nice and simple, 780-875-9663. Clay uh, Clay Smiley, Prophet River. Uh, The story goes, Clay always wanted a Cooper rifle, but was unable to find it in Canada. And it was then he decided to look into importing a Cooper from the good old U.S. of A. In 2002, he did just that, importing that Cooper rifle from the States. And not long after, you can imagine, uh, a friend reached out, then another, and then another. 
uh, to the point where now in 2020, Profit River has grown into a major retailer of firearms, optics, and accessories, and they serve all of Canada. So if you're listening to this anywhere in Canada and you want to, you know, you got some gun-related, uh, you know, wants, ass, needs, go visit Profit River at ProfitRiver.com and check them out today. They got you guys covered. Jen Gilbert and team want you to know for over 40 years, since 1976, the dedicated realtors of Coldwell Banker, Cityside Realty, have served Lloydminster and the surrounding community. Uh, they are passionate about our community and they pride themselves on giving back through volunteer opportunities and partnerships as often as they can. They know that home is truly where awesomeness happens. Coldwell Banker, Cityside Realty, for everything real estate, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 780-875-3343. The SMP billboard across from the UFA, a shout out to Read and Write and uh, Deanna Wandler. If you're looking for some outside signage or uh, some inside work, maybe you got a wall you want to put a quote on, these are uh, this, these this is the team you want to talk to. Um, Deanna Wandler and the team over at Read and Write have done everything inside the, from, you know, frosting the window with the logo to my uh, quote on the wall, my logo on the wall, uh, the billboard. They uh, they do exceptional work and a shout out to Read and Write. Uh, if you're heading into any of these businesses, make sure, I know, I know COVID is uh, making that a little difficult, but if you do see them out and about, or you stop in in their businesses, make sure you let them know you heard about them on the podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on the show, uh, go to SeanNewmanPodcast.com, top right corner, hit the contact button, and send me your info. There's still time to get involved. Well, heck, who am I kidding? Still time. It's the beginning of 2021. Hop on. Let's have some fun. 2021, here we come. Here is your first T-Bar 1 tale of the tape. Originally from Camrose, Alberta, he plays second in the prestigious Seattle International Comedy Competition, a finalist at the Boston Comedy Competition, and won the 2007 Great Canadian Laugh-Off. He's now been in comedy for over 20 years. He's been around the world in different countries such as Afghanistan, Iraq, Kosovo, United Kingdom, and Norway, has performed for the Armed Forces, is a part of the Snowden Comedy Tour that stretches coast to coast here in Canada, over 60 Canadian cities, and finally, is the co-host of the Microdose podcast. I'm talking about Paul Meyerhog. So buckle up. Here we go. Hello, this is Paul Meyerhog, or as most of you will probably know me, the guy that came on after Don Cherry. Uh, and you're listening to the Sean Newman podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast today. I'm joined by comedian Paul Meyerhog. I hope I said that right, because I'm sure that's only been tortured a thousand million times. The first time I ever was introduced on stage, um, the MC shook my hands and he was like, what's your name? And I said, Meyerhog. And he said, ooh, I'd change that kid. Anyway, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> if you could pick an alter ego name then, what would you, what would you take for a last name? Or what would you take for a name? Uh, you know, I went through that phase because I, I kind of, uh, you know, heeded that advice. So I thought, you know, maybe I should have a name that somebody could at least spell or find online. So, um, but I was an 18 year old, you know, douchebag moron. So I think um, the, <laughs> I really wanted um, Paul Dimes. That was what I wanted. When I was 18, I wanted to be Paul Dimes. Did you ever I'd get go, introduced as it? 
No, no, absolutely not. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't follow through. But that was eighteen-year-old me. If if I had to cho- choose now, um, I would probably either take my dad's like my middle name Gordon, so Paul Gordon might be all right, or uh, or shorten up the Meyer Hog and just Paul Myers maybe. But uh, yeah, uh, douchebag me wanted Paul Dimes when I was uh, eighteen. <laughs> Well, we all got, uh, you know, Paul Dimes, Dimes. Why Dimes? Do you remember why? I have no idea. I, th- I just, I, I, and I, this is so embarrassing, but I remember being 18, like an amateur comedian, um, you know, going to university and I was practicing my autograph, you know, and I thought, oh, it'd be really cool if I could sign autographs as a comedian one day. And I just was signing Paul Dimes. I have no idea where it came from. I just, <laughs> I just thought it would be cool. <laughs> Now, for the listeners, viewers, whichever they're doing, um, where are you calling in from today? Uh, I'm in the south of France uh, in a little village called Co, C-A-U-X. Um, this is, uh, it, it's where our house is. And um, uh, just for a geographical, uh, it would be near Montpellier. So sort of closer to the Spanish side of the Riviera. Uh, my dad is going to listen to this and he's going to hate you or envy you. One of the two he's been saying for years since he was like, I don't know, since I was 15. So probably 20 years ago, um, that when he retires, he's going to retire to a villa in the South of France. You're, you're essentially sitting there then. Hey, right on. Well, hey, tell the old man, there's lots of room in my house. You could have our guest. Yeah, it'll be. <laughs> what's, uh, what's, what's, uh, a, you're, you said you're eight o'clock right now. So for the listeners, it's it's noon here. He's drinking beer. I was like, what what the hell? All right, we're gonna do this. All right. So I had to pour myself a scotch. It is COVID rules, which means you can pretty much have a sarsaparilla whenever the hell you want, right? Like, I mean, how how are things over in the south of France right now? Um, COVID wise, um, life wise, uh, life wise, yeah. Um, I mean, it's the it's the off season here anyway. Um, so you know, it's, it's always dead slow in January, February, December. It's, uh, it's, you know, uh, I'd say 60% of the population leaves. So, um, you know, not many restaurants open. So really, uh, the confinement or the lockdown, you don't even really notice it because it just sort of feels like every other winter it does here. It just, um, you know, uh, everything's closed and people go, people are on vacation, all the store owners and things like that. It's, um, so yeah, I, I really don't, um, don't notice much of a difference. And um, there is a curfew. You have to be in your house by 8 p.m., but they're a little bit more relaxed on the um, get-together. So, you know, for Christmas, we were able to get together, have dinner with people, um, you know, went to a couple of uh, a couple of uh, things like that. So it's, uh, it seems a little bit more relaxed down here. Uh, curfew at 8? Curfew at eight. Yeah, you got to be. So I just I had to go get a pizza in town in the big city and uh, and uh, I had to be, be on my high horse. I needed to get home before 8 p.m. <laughs> so. No kidding. They got check yeah. stops, anything like that? Or is it just kind of like, no, you're supposed to be in. Nobody's out. Yeah, there is. I mean, we live in such a, um, you know, sparsely populated area that I really haven't seen too many cops around, but there is definitely, uh, um, you know, checkpoints and things like that. So, um, but even in the, in the middle of the summer in our busiest season, I don't see too many cops around here. It's just, uh, there's not too many people around here. And when you say small village, I think of small village, Saskatchewan, Alberta, how does it pair, you know, I haven't said it yet, but you're originally from Camrose. Um, coming from small town, Alberta to 
small town France. Uh, obviously, you you enjoy the small town France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's uh, and it's the same thing. It's just a bunch of people sitting on the street drinking pilsner, fucking <laughs> just guzzling, but just fucking guzzling. It's uh, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's like I never left. It's uh, it's awesome. <laughs> Except you're not drinking pilsner. You're drink while well, you're drinking a variation of pilsner. Yeah, yeah, Wahlbergs. Yeah, yeah, Wahlbergs. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it um, it works for me and uh, and my missus. Uh, we both travel for a living um so when i'm here it's amazing um because it just it feels like an oasis from a busy schedule but uh to be honest with you if i didn't have my career and i wasn't traveling all the time um i think it would be a little bit too slow for me here for sure well let's get into it then you, you know you're originally from camrose uh did you always want to be a comedian i mean you come from the land of uh of hockey I mean, it doesn't get any more hockey. I know you're, I believe you're an Oilers fan still. I assume you're following along the, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Oh. Um, we're, we're, we're anticipating, I gotta put the hand. We're anticipating a hockey season here in January. Uh, have you been watching the world juniors? Cause they've been on, we've been the uh, old team Canada, uh, old two and O now um, that's happening just like down the street. But nobody can watch it, of course, or nobody in the building. But I mean, you've been paying attention to any of the hockey over there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, I can't find a provider. Um, I get my, I subscribe to NHL.com and to NFL. Um, so I get the games as they come in, but I can't find a provider. I tried Sportsnet. It doesn't work in France. I tried TSN. It doesn't work in France. So I can't get these World Junior games. You can't see the and, World uh, Junior games? No, no. And it's killing me because it's absolutely killing me. So I'm just sort of watching highlights and reading about it in the morning. But uh, boy, they really beat the Germans over the over back into the Sudetenland, didn't they? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I, I was as soon as I opened up my eyes, I saw that score. I was rubbing my I was like, what? The, that can't be right. 16 goals. Like it was it was amazing. It was a good old fashioned ass whooping. And I had to turn it off. I was like, "Yep, I've, I've, it's ten. It's it, they still got the horn going. I'm, I'm done with this, right? Like they just, they just rammed it down the throat. And I didn't feel bad for Canada. Like lots of people ragged on them, but I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's. I think it was seven one or seven nothing. What was that? That was like not even halfway through the second period. And you're like, oh man, like you can't even take your foot off the pedal enough not to make it ten or eleven one, right? And oh. it just, it just." kept going and going and going and you're like well what are you gonna do yeah right, what are you gonna do without our yeah and we didn't without our captain as well like uh unbelievable unbelievable so yeah i really wish i could watch it but um uh if i was home if i was in canada i'd be watching every game and um uh yeah diehard oilers fan and i my original dream was to be a, a professional hockey player but as far i played um uh, I had an illustrious career. I played, uh, I got a knee injury, but I played on the uh, Camrose Pirates, which was a double A uh, Bantam. So uh, that's uh, then, then my illustrious hockey career came to a, came to an end. So, you know, when then do you go, and I, I say this with I, probably all stupidity on my part. I, I just always grew up wanting to be a hockey guy or a sports guy for that matter. And so, there's avenues everywhere for that. And I just know the avenues very well. Um, to be a comedian, I don't know. How the hell do you even start? Like, did you just, 
you know, I think I read somewhere that you were sneaking into bars at a young age, watching, uh, watching comedians. Like, did, is that how you fell in love with it? Was it watching, you know, a movie or two? What, what got you going like, man, that'd be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. So I guess once the hockey dream ended, and even if I didn't have bad knees, I would have never made it. I don't have that like pit bull uh, killer instinct. Like a lot of the guys that made the NHL that I played with, um, I just didn't have that, uh, that absolute uh, killer, in, you know, energy about me. But um, um, I started, I guess it was, you know, Saturday Night Live, Chris Farley and all those guys, Adam Sandler, uh, I had their, you know, Sandler's album, They're All Gonna Laugh at You. I listened to it on repeat in the car, nonstop. I knew every, every word of it, every skit Farley did, every, so that sort of got me interested in it. And um I always looked older for my age, so that is true. I would go down to the Raven. It was a nightclub in Camrose called the Raven, <laughs> and um, they used to have uh, they used to have comics in. So I would sneak in underage to watch. But um, I don't know if they had this in Lloyd, but in Camrose, um, if you knew there was an underage person in the bar, you could rat them out, and uh, you would get a free pitcher of beer. It was sort of a self policing. <laughs> <laughs> If they implemented that now in COVID, they got the snitch line. If they put a free pitcher of beer on that, the entire population would be drunk and probably in jail. So yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I do remember that. <laughs> Wasn't that a beautiful system? So that was one of my remember because I was watching a comic. Who I, I got to say, I don't know if that was in Lloyd. I remember that in Edmonton. I can't remember wow. if that was in Lloyd or not. Now, Lloyd might not have cared, but that was for sure in Edmonton. And obviously if it was in Camrose, but I do remember those days. Yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. But I, I remember watching a comic um, who actually I've never met before again. And his name's Jim Fuchs. He's from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. And he was hilarious. And, uh, and somebody ratted me out at the Raven. And I got uh, put in a wrist lock by the bouncers and carried out. And then uh, I, was, I was walking by the table. They were like, all right, have a good night, Marhog. Fuck up. Like, <laughs> I was getting chirped on the way out by the older crowd that, uh, that ratted me. It's ridiculous. But uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I fell in love with it around 14, 15, 16. And, um, and then to get started, really, um, at my era uh, in 2000, I started in 2000. It was very easy. There was a a national system called Yuck Yucks. Uh, all you had to do was go to West Edmonton Mall, sign up for amateur night. You would listen to the headliner that week, would um, talk for an hour in a workshop. Uh, so you would listen to the headliner speak for an hour. And then um, when it was your time, you got about one spot every month and you'd go up there and, and, and away you go. So I started at the West Edmonton Mall Yuck Yucks um, uh, and, and it went from there. Wow. Okay. First off, I didn't realize that was that easy. I I mean, it doesn't, it shouldn't surprise me. It was that easy. I mean, it, it, there has to be a system in place. It's not like you just, you know, if you want to have good comedians come through, you got to make them make it accessible for them to, to sign up. How was, how was the first time? I think, you know, uh, for the listeners, viewers, Last time we did get a start and then the internet just wouldn't, you know, whatever. France didn't want to talk to me, I guess. Uh, I heard you, we briefly talked and you said the first time isn't the tough time. Uh, the second time is, and maybe we could start with the first and then talk about the second. Because to me, getting up in front of, well, everyone knows this. Probably one of the most terrifying things in the world is standing in front of an audience, right? And then I assume what's even more terrifying is try and make them laugh. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the, well, the first time, um, and I don't know, we call that getting bit. So either you're going to try it, and a lot of people are afraid of public speaking, but if you get bit and you try it, and um, it, it, it really is funny, you can see it in people's eyes that you're like, oh, they're going to do it forever. And I was just one of those persons that I did it one time and I, that was it. I was like, I'll do this for the rest of my life. Even if I don't get paid for it, I'm going to do this. Um, it just, it's so addicting. It's a, it's like a drug, you know, it's, a, it's unbelievable. Once you uh, find a way to elicit that laughter and start to, to start to learn the craft, it's, um, it's great. But the, the first time I didn't realize this, but West Edmonton Mall, Yuck Yucks, uh, in Alberta in general, actually, the, uh, the Calgary uh, Comedy Club as well. Um, I didn't know that they were the easiest comedy clubs in Canada. So headliners that were coming through and still today that come to Edmonton and Calgary, they crush. You don't even, it, it's just, the, the rooms are magical. Their crowds are so friendly. They laugh at everything. But I, you know, I, I was an amateur that started there. I didn't really have the benefit of that knowledge. So when I walked up the first time, it went really well. I mean, uh, it was better than I expected. It was, it was amazing. Um, and then I had that, uh, that confidence uh, going into the second time and uh, I was immediately punched in the mouth. Uh, it was, it was <laughs> absolutely horrific because I walked up there with a little bit of like, you know, jam in my shake and like, Oh yeah, I got this. I'm a, you know, I'll be a professional in 10 seconds. And um, that, that nervous energy of a new person uh, trying out stand-up wasn't there. The crowd wasn't on board with me. They didn't, uh, they didn't want me to do well because I was a cocky freak. And, uh, and, and I bombed. The second time was fucking atrocious. Atrocious. And I remember one of my, um, my billet's father uh, was there. I used to have a billet named Aaron Grossel, who still uh, is in the hockey industry down in the States. But, um, uh, and his dad's got a very, very... Uh, recognizable laugh and I could hear his dad's laugh for every other performer and when I got on stage there was nothing and and not even his like I was just praying to God that my friend would save me I mean even him was like good luck you fucking you, you, you're the worst you know? so what do you do after that you just walk off stage and now you gotta go sit with your buddies and, and they didn't even laugh oh Oh yeah, it was, it was brutal. First of all, I learned the lesson that never bring friends to a show when you're when you're that new, you know. So the, I think the first show I did, I must have passed out fifty tickets, um, <clears throat> all my friends and family, and the second one as well. But then after that, I didn't pass out anything. I really didn't tell people when I was on stage uh, until I until I got some confidence. But it was so embarrassing, and uh, and afterwards, of course, they're like. Hey, you know, it wasn't that bad. And, you know, all those patronizing, um, bullshit. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. 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 And you just, you want to crawl in a hole and die. Awful. Well, people's words speak louder than action or people's actions speak louder than words. Right. So you get those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't laugh once. You weren't that bad. It was. It wasn't that bad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their voice goes up like four octaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, awful. When? When did you? When? Like, you said something there. You said, uh, you know, there, there's a gap between being kind of like an amateur and professional. When? When do you? When do you feel the switch? Like, when do you go from, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, to like, wow, I can. I'm. I'm kind of feel. I'm, not that you. 
aren't having the odd bomb night. I'm assuming no matter what you do, certain crowds you just can't even remark, you just can't even prepare for. But when do you feel the switch from like amateur to like, okay, I got something here? Um, yeah, again, it was a little bit more cut and dry back in the day when I was starting. <clears throat> um, so they had a, a bit of a system you went through, started as an amateur, uh, which were on Tuesday nights. And then uh, if you were good enough, they'd move you to Wednesday nights. And that was called young gun night. Um, so, uh, and so you were moving up in the farm system is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And everybody knew it. Hey, if I can get off this bloody Tuesday night (laughs) and on to Wednesday, I'm on the right track. Totally. Totally. And once you started doing Wednesdays, you got a little bit of money. And then if you were doing the young gun night, um, they would give you spots on the weekend. Um, and that was huge because the clubs would be sold out. You know, the big fancy headliner from Toronto or Los Angeles was in, and you get to do, um, you know, seven, eight minutes on the weekend. Um, and that was a big step. And um, so, and then eventually you started getting full weekends. So, you know, Thursday through Sunday, uh, you get paid every show. You'd be in the middle, you know, you're only doing 20 minutes or something. Um, but even then you don't feel like a professional, you know. It, um, I don't think I felt like a... That's an interesting question because I don't, I, I guess when I, I don't know, I guess it's, I guess it's finally when you're not worrying about money, Um, you know, you just, there's enough work coming in that you, that you don't have to worry about uh, earning a living. And and then, um, and then finally, I guess I felt like a professional. And another nice story is um, when your parents finally trust that you're going to be okay in life uh is that that was that was a big a big moment for me <laughs> paul's gonna be okay hon paul's yeah. gonna be okay yeah yeah and I, I actually i think that's when i felt like a professional because i remember that specific moment and i and and all the bricks were lifted off my shoulders but i um i was i got asked to do a, a military tour in afghanistan uh and it was with the governor general of Canada and, um, and the uh, top uh, uh, um, ranking officer, uh, General Nintinchuk and Peter McKay, who is the minister of defense and, uh, and me, and we we're gonna go to Afghanistan and those guys would talk. There was a singer songwriter as well. And then I would close the evening and uh, we spent the holidays, the Christmas holidays in Afghanistan. I remember my mom, saying, uh, I said, I couldn't come home for Christmas and uh, I'm going to go to Afghanistan with the governor general. And uh, my mom said, uh, officially, she was like, you know what? I think you're going to be all right. And I was like, oh, yeah, finally. I, uh, I, got, I got, it only took uh, 16 years, but uh, I, got, <laughs> I got the seal of approval from my parents. So it took, it took you 16 years then to finally be like, yeah. Okay. Now, obviously you're, you're successful in those 16 years, but for you, what you're saying is at the 16 year mark, that's when it goes boom. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Uh, I, the, the confidence of everybody around me, they see what I'm doing. Yeah. I'd say that's about right. Probably, probably around year 15, 16. Yeah. I'd say that. And, and within the comic circle, they say that you don't even start sounding like yourself on stage until after year 20. And I just hit year 20. And I, and I, I always thought that that was bullshit, but now I understand what those guys were saying where I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. I'm only just now able to walk up there and just talk 
like me, be myself. And it took, and it's taken 20 years and I still have tons to learn. Fuck. That's crazy. Uh, you know, in what I do this, you know, interviewing people and talking to people, uh, a lot of successful personalities on, you know, you, you've learned from this toothless face. I love, I love hockey. You know, we started off with that. Um, a lot of them have said two years, two years to find yourself on a national broadcast to understand how your personality. And at the start, I was like, oh yeah, whatever, two years. But you, you kind of start to feel it like, no, that makes sense. There's just certain things you're very comfortable with and certain things you're not comfortable. But when, when you go two to 20 years, how many people are really willing to put in the time? Well, that's a lot of time. I mean, and once again, it's not like you, you haven't had any success up to 20 years, but it wasn't like you had like smashing success out the gates. And in the first year, you're, you know, that's pretty cool. But at the same time, it's like, man, not many people would be willing to put in the time to do what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You, you really have to be something wrong with you inside your head to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to to uh to go after and lately i'm thinking that a lot because you know covid because you know i i sat back and i realized like i've dedicated my entire life it's way too late to start any sort of like oh i'm gonna go to law school you know i'm an old man now i can't go to law yeah so i i'm like holy shit you you have completely dedicated your whole existence from you were 18 to now on this ridiculous um, uh, career. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I really truly believe you have to be a little bit sick in your head to keep on going. And isn't that the definition of what, um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what is it? A psychopath or- um, Insanity? Uh, crazy? Insanity, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, yeah. insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I just, I, when I listen to you and you, to me, and this is just to me, I mean, you're not Chris Farley. You haven't had, you know, uh, rest in peace, but, uh, you haven't had the Uber success of Saturday night live followed by all these crazy movies and everything, but you're not, uh, Joe Blow sitting at Yuck Yucks right now trying to start out either. I mean, like, geez, you've, you've gone and done some things and, uh, there's something to hang your hat on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always say that, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm a fourth liner. Like I'm I'm in the NHL. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a black ace. I get called up. Fourth and down. liners um, win cups too. Exactly, exactly. And I'm so happy with my career. And it also doesn't come with a lot of bullshit to being, you know, a giant star either. I mean, like I don't have to worry about you know, people saying awful things to me online or being called, you know, all that, all that nonsense, all the stress. And we, of course, would I like the millions of dollars? Sure. But, you know, I get, I do big venues, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough. I do theater tours in Europe and in Canada. And uh, I mean, I'm playing NHL venues, but um, you know, I'm just i I'm just a grinder. And, uh, and because of that, I also fit into a lot of different scenarios. Like they can use me on a military tour. They can, put me on television in the UK to do little spots. They can use me in, in difficult, rough bars in Scotland, you know, because I have that Northern Alberta training where I can. You're I can the Swiss myself. army knife. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, um, and yeah, I'm very proud of that. It, uh, 
you know, I wouldn't change much. It's a, it's a cool, it's a cool, you know, it's a, you know, I can work, I, I think I've worked in 46 different countries around the world. So, you know, there's no shortage of work. I can, I can do what I love and, and, uh, and it's fine. It's, um, it, it's all right. You know, 46 countries, geez, that's something. What, uh, when you look back across it and look at the 46, is there, is there a group of people that are just tough to get to laugh? Like, a, you know, I, I talk about different rooms and different, you can, you can narrow in as micro as you want, but let's go a little bigger. Let's, is there a country when you go in there, you go, Oh, this is going to be tough. I got to make sure I have my, uh, you know, whatever dotted and, and crossed. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, uh, it's the Netherlands. The Netherlands is extremely tough for stand-up comics. Um, uh, and I've, I play clubs in Amsterdam and play them a lot. You know, there's an English comedy festival there, um, but Dutch crowds and, and all comics agree with, uh, they're just, they enjoy the comedy, but they're not like, you know, they'll sort of give you a little bit of a golf cl- clap when, when they see <laughs> that you've done your skit is, is how they, they do it. And it is, it's horribly awkward. Very, very awkward. Um, they're a very difficult group of people to get like rolling around like Americans, you know? So will they get rolling around like Americans or no, that, that isn't their, cause when you, when you think of Americans or Canadians, right, we go to, uh, I think of going to, uh, even yuck yucks. Well, you got a pregame and then you got to have some pregame on the pregame, right? So that anything yep. seems funny, right? Like, I mean, you're there for a good time. You don't, you don't want you want everything to be funny that night, right? Like hell, yeah. that's what you're there for. You're there for a good time. So you, you get, uh, you, you go down a, a certain Avenue in order to do that. Now in the Netherlands, did they get there or are they always the, the slow clap? I like that. Right. Like, good job. That was, that was good. I, I, I chuckled. I had a deep belly laugh for a little bit and that was it. <laughs> you know, um, I'm trying to answer that honestly. Um, so the last two times I was there, I was with, um, guys way above my pay grade. Um, I don't know if you know Arch Barker, who's um, he's from Flight of the Concords and a bunch of David Leverman appearances. He's an American guy that really big in Australia. I don't know if you know that name. Well, um, well I, get, I'm, I, I know Flight of the Concords quite well, but the yeah. name I can't think of I, off the top of my head. No, I don't recognize it. But in saying that, if I know Flight of the Concords, chances are I know exactly who the guy is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's deadly funny. I think he's, he did like seven lettermans or something. He's super funny. And, um, he's a, he's a dear friend of mine. And I, I, you know, we both share the sentiment that when I watched him on stage do his hour, it was, you know, it's a grind there. It's a grind. But, um, I also watched a Dutch comic that evening and he, he got it rolling. He fucking crushed, crushed. And then the two English speakers that went up, we had a hard time. So maybe it's a, maybe it's more of a prejudice thing that, <laughs> that the Dutch <laughs> don't like American accents. Maybe. I don't know. Well, where then is, let's go the complete opposite. Where do you just love coming back to? You love coming back to Canada? Like is Canada the, the sweet spot? Cause you're Canadian and you just get to come back and, and you know, the culture so well and everything like that. Or is there a different place that you just love going because of their uniqueness. Yeah, so there's way more on that list. And um, yeah, I, Canada is beautiful because um, without 
just looking at me, like when I walk on stage, people immediately get an impression of who I am. They know, you know, I'm introduced from Alberta. Um, maybe I'm wearing a plaid shirt. Um, you know, I got to, you know, people make an assumption about. So before you get to the microphone, they're like, OK, look at this fucking Yahoo from Camrose. Um, you know, they understand my character immediately you know, and, and, and they get on board with it. Um, and you can talk, of course, local references. And I know specific jokes about every province and territory I'm in. Um, so Canada is definitely the sweet spot. Uh, but I would say uh, Scotland, unbelievable place to go. Uh, Ireland, unbelievable place. Norway, unbelievable. And, um, and a lot of England, like um, Brighton, Manchester, the Comedy Store in London, I mean, I have equal love for, oh, Estonia. Estonia is Estonia? incredible, incredible audiences. Incredible. Tell me, tell me about Estonia. There oh, is one country, yeah. there is one country that I got to assume 99.9% .9 of my listeners have never graced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was, well, for one, it's gorgeous. So for you listeners, it is in between, well, it's right underneath Finland. Um, so you just, you got to cross the, the, the sea to get to Finland and, um, and Riga is right below it. So it's sandwiched in between those two countries. It was Russian, you know, it was part of the Russian, uh, curtains only in 93 did they get released from, from the Soviet curtain. So for them, uh, live stand-up comedy, live performances, anything of that sort are so new to them. And they're, they're so, they feel so lucky to be able to like freely go to a place and watch people speak freely and swear and have freedom of speech in that this is all very new to them. So the comedy is just fucking gangbusters. You, they, no, you could just put up a sign that says stand-up comedy, you'll sell 600 tickets. It is fucking incredible, incredible time. And, um, and just a, a great population that I really see, think sees the, the good side of life because they've had it so rough uh, so recently that, you know, now it's become one of the tech capitals of the, uh, of the world. They're, they're a world Estonia? leader in tech. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, it's absolutely incredible. They're way f in, as far as like uh, technology for um, uh, everything being, you know, cashless and, um, connected to bank accounts and everywhere where it has Wi-Fi. Estonia is famously, they're like leaps and bounds ahead of lots of countries. They're very tech savvy and it's just, it's a boom situation there. So um, just a wonderful place to be. Wow, I never would have. That wouldn't have crossed my mind. I got to be very clear. Uh, you know, it's interesting when you, when you talk about freedom of speech and things like that, uh, that's uh, something very foreign to Canadians and North Americans for that matter. Um, um, Estonia, I'll have to uh, put that on the bucket list of places to venture to then. I played hockey in Finland, so I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was a stone throw from it, but uh, never explored as much as a guy would have liked to, uh, to experience different parts of that little chunk in there. Okay. Oh, well, you'll love this story because um, you... The Finns, every Canadian knows that the Finns are the hardest drinkers. Out of all the hockey, it's the Finns, right? Here they are. Like it's so, insane, those guys. Some of my favorite stories come from drinking with the Finns, yes. 
it's crazy, man. They're crazy. So in between, so you do the gig in, in, um, in Tallinn, uh, which is the capital of Estonia. And then your next gigs are in Finland. Um, so there's a ferry between the two countries. Um, and the first time I took it, uh, I think it was at 11 a.m. Um, alcohol is so expensive in Finland that Finnish people bring, you know, those like moving dollies that you move furniture with? Yeah. They, they load on the ship with an empty dolly. And then there's a liquor store on the other side inside the ferry terminal in Tallinn. So they all come off the boat. They fill up those dollies with <laughs> liquor. <laughs> <laughs> and then they pull it back onto the boat and then and then they cruise home so i'm on the way home and this whole ferry ride is just built it's 11 a.m and it's built for the fins to get fucking smashed there is <laughs> discos pub quizzes there's dance competitions and everybody's got their giant dolly full of whatever vodka that they're carrying across. It was balls to the wall, like college dorm room party at 11 a.m. On, on, a, on a Wednesday or whatever. It was the fins are insane, man. It's hilarious. Well, I always tell the story and now things might have changed. This is a few years ago now. I assume it has not. But at the time, chewing tobacco was illegal to sell in finland mm. <laughs> so we'd be on a road trip going to one of the northern towns in finland and we get close to the sweden border so what the bus would do take an hour detour cross about 10 feet into the swedish border and there'd be this <laughs> store like a gas station built for chewing tobacco and you'd walk in and it was like uh like uh, going to get a, a can of coke from a from a corner store right these cooling uh refrigerators built all the way to the roof as high as you can see filled with chewing tobacco and the entire team would bust in there buy bagfuls throw it on including the bus driver the coach i mean everybody and then we'd carry on to our hockey game and i'm looking around going this is the most insane but cool experience i'll probably ever have right like i mean who goes out of, out of their way on their way to a, a big hockey game because they can't literally buy chew in their country, but right across the border, you certainly can. It wasn't illegal to chew. It was illegal to sell chew, right? So there's this little store just making a million dollars sitting right across the border. It was, it was a super cool experience. So I understand the booze thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's hilarious. And it, I'm the same thing happens in Norway because they border Sweden as well. So when you're on tour of the North and, are you surprised how many of them chew to like the, the women, all the girls, all the girls. Yeah. Just upper deckers, not even lower deck (laughs) fucking top shelf. Boom. Throw it in there. Incredible. Oh man. It was, uh, it was a fun time there. It was, uh, that is Finland. With some of the nicest people I ever met came from Finland. I, I'm I love Canada. Everybody knows I love Canada. I've been across Canada. I think we got great people all across this country. But Finland, no matter where I went, they were just like absolute sweethearts. But they did crazy things like that. They have the party boat that goes from 
not Helsinki. It's a town a little further up and goes across the sea to Sweden. And the entire ship is just there to party. And you get on the boat and you just, it's a ferry ride, but it's a party barge. My brother's been across it and he just talks the, the world about it. And all I did was go there and play hockey. That's all I did. Play hockey, visit where Santa Claus supposedly lives. See one of his crazy movies um, that I can't even remember what it was called. It was fantastic. It was all in Finnish. Uh, it had English um, subtitles, but it was about Santa Claus being uh, a monster. And if you get to see that movie, it was fantastic. That'll change. That'll change Santa Claus for you. Right on. Yeah, I'll look out for it. Did you did you run into my buddy Josh Green over there? Did I you, didn't. Did you play? No? I can't. Okay, I can't okay. say I did. No. All right. Yeah, he played over. He, he well, he played for he, a bunch of NHL teams, but he's a Camrose boy, and uh, and he played. Uh, he finished up in Finland, so I wondered if you if you ran into him. Uh, I can't say I did. You know the for people wondering how me everybody always asks this, Paul. They go, how on earth do you find these people? I got I to gotta throw a shout out to Mr. Falsher because yeah. without Falsher, I don't know who you are. And I want to I know the dirt. So Dallin lives with your family for what? Uh, what would that have been? A couple months? Well, yeah, let me clear that up right away. Dallin never, he, he wasn't billeted by my family. He just wouldn't leave the couch. He just, he, he was like, <laughs> he was like, <laughs> <laughs> He was like a raccoon that came in one day and you couldn't get the guy off. Like he just, he, 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 found, he found my mom's pantry full of food. And then you just like, you just, yeah, this is, and, this is home. This is home. They're not yeah. pushing too hard. I'm staying here. <laughs> exactly. And you couldn't get rid of him and we, neither. And we would never want to. He is one of my favorite humans in the world, just an absolute delight. So, um, so that's how that went down. He, he wasn't officially with my family, but you just, he just decided that's it. Well, you must have, you must have, other than him being a raccoon, you must have a fun story about Dallin that you can share. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Dallin, Dallin's so, so my parents, um, I really loved having hockey billets because, you know, I don't know if it's like every parent, but my family and my extended family, didn't necessarily enjoy the younger generation getting drunk, you know, like you could have a few drinks, but they never liked to see you get like, you know, toilet licking smashed. And, um, and I got to thank false Dallin for introducing that to my family. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah, because I, I remember the specific moment because I think it was at a maybe it was a year end wrap up or maybe one of the playoff. They won the playoff series and the all the billet families and everybody got together and Dallin and the boys were were smashed. And and I remember my mom saying, like, Dallin's one of the best people I've ever met. And he was so drunk. And I was like, I was like, yeah, like you can you can drink and be awesome. Like it's not it's you know, and and, and I really think that changed my parents perception about um about getting smashed you know they then they themselves drink a little bit but uh, you know not not false year style so it's uh, <laughs> um <clears throat> the false years the false years have all been on the podcast i had a brother's round table with the false years so i sat down with all three of them yeah. dustin dallas and dallin in their father's uh, harley bar in the garage oh, very man. cool and uh 
when you say false year, uh, Smad, you were bang on because I sat down and no, no quicker had I like set up the mics and they're already too deep. And they're like, Hey, you have one. I'm like, uh, yeah. So I grabbed one and I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to set things up and the boys are after it. They were having a good time. Yeah. 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 They're so funny, man. Yeah. And I, I remember, and he was up for anything. Cause he would come home, you know, after curfew or whatever, I'm sure. And my, um, we lived in town. See, my parents, we had a farmhouse. We moved, my dad got transferred to Vancouver. And when we got transferred back to Camrose, um, they wouldn't sell that farmhouse back to my dad. So we had to get a house in town. Um, but my mom still had horses out at that farm. So she used to go out there late at night to, uh, and false would come home smashed and, uh, and say to Yvonne, like, well, fuck it, let's go feed those horses. And he used to go on. <laughs> like, most nights he would be drunk going out to the farm with my mom, feeding the horses, changing the blankets. And like, he's just like, fuck, he's just a great guy. Like, he is amazing, <laughs> amazing fella. <laughs> uh, Dallin, that's awesome. I, 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 I do appreciate, I lo- always love hearing the stories about the, the locals and how they impact outside the locality. And for it to be, I had uh, Glenn Healy on. Actually, it came out today. Uh, yeah, it came out today. Ooh. And Glenn played back for the LA Kings. That's who he started out for. Yeah. And JP Kelly is a guy from Lloyd who coached me and played for the Kings back in the day. And I said, so what was JP like in the dressing room? And he goes on this long story about how JP had a bucket of beer here and a bucket of beer over there and a bucket of beer in the shower. And JP was drinking. I'm like, that's the story of Lloyd right there. Right? Like we do enjoy our Pilsners. That's that, that is true. Yeah, definitely. It's a good, and we had another, um, well, he's from, uh, what is it? Paradise Valley, Paradise Valley. Yeah. PV. Okay. PV. Yeah. Um, and, um i emceed his wedding too but he's like he's very uh uh james willis who um who's around okay. that, i don't know yeah 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 yeah. He, yeah my family uh billeted willis as well so we had a couple of the the lloyd area fellas and they're like every person i meet from lloyd is fucking hilarious man it's uh it's it's, it's awesome the comedy shows i used to do as a kid in lloyd minster um were very difficult but uh where where did you do the comedy shows in lloyd um it was a like um it was a spanish themed um nightclub uh fuck what was it uh, Am- amigos. amigos 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 it would be at amigos oh dude oh my god yeah and i i had a joke that i carried for years because and i was really young they stopped doing shows at uh, amigos i well, think they only did a few Am- amigos amigos was the hit when i was a kid and then the cooler yeah. kind of came in and then amigos disappeared but it's back amigos is the bar now well i mean if oh, you go really? to the bar yeah I, you you know me i started this thing off with three kids and I got to leave and come here and drink scotch with you on a noon on, and it's been fantastic. But Amigos <laughs> is back if you if you're up tearing up the bar scene, yeah. Oh yeah, right on. Okay, okay. But I remember I saw somebody passed out under a urinal at uh, Amigos, <laughs> and it was <laughs> I carried poor spot. I carried that poor spot. Oh, man. The poor guy. And you Lloyd boys were not giving him a break on it either. It was fucking <laughs> oh, no. full face washes. It was, oh, uh, it was no, nasty. No. nasty. That would be uh, a, you bastards for peeing on him. But can you imagine waking up and being like, what is that? 
right? Like, oh, oh, that's a terrible <laughs> thought. <laughs> oh, man, brutal, brutal. That that joke just kind of writes itself for you. How much time do you spend researching and developing your material? Whew, um, well, I have to write a new. I have I have to have a brand new twenty five minutes every year that's theater quality. So I need I need a well structured twenty five minutes with you know a good opening. I need short little jokes um, for transitions and then a big closer that's going to get an applause break. Um, and it takes me a, that my tour, uh, theater tour usually ends in about March, maybe first week in April. And I start writing for it the second week in April. And it's a fucking panic until January 1st again. So it takes me, uh, you know, a good eight months, seven to eight months to write 25 minutes that is serviceable for, for, for a theater audience. So, um, and just like anything in life, I guess you don't really do it unless there's a gun to your head. So um, if uh, without those tours, I, I wouldn't spend too much writing, but because of the sheer terror to try to make, like knowing that I have to have this material ready to go, um, I, I write a lot. I write a, a, a lot, a lot. So two things come to mind. The average person is gonna say 25 minutes, shit. That isn't that long, but I assume 25 mm. minutes on stage is a lifetime. Oh God. Yeah. And, and, and it's not even really a heavy pace because, you know, guys like, you know, the top dogs in the industry, you know, Bill Burr and all those guys, they're pumping out an hour a year, 60 minutes, but uh, I've never been very good in school or spelling or writing. So it takes, I can only do about half, half of what the big boys do, but it, yeah, 25 minutes on stage is, is an eternity. It's a, it's a long time. The second thought is you can't regurgitate some of the stuff you've done over the past 20 years. No, because um, these tours are uh, people coming back to see you every year. So we, we have a rule that there, you can't repeat one joke that you've told on a past tour. So you need to have a, a completely fresh 25. Really? So you're yeah. saying there is somebody out there or maybe lots of people who for 20 years have seen you from 18 all the way up to where you're at? Um, well, no, no, no. Cause um, during, I only, I've only been doing the theater tour for eight years. So um, that's what, that's when I would have started that heavier pace of writing. And I've been doing the European theater tour for five or something like that. So that's, um, that's when um when I had to keep up that pace. If you saw me before that, you would have seen the same old, you know, having sex with the cougar, throwing a French fry in the air, petrified seagull bullshit that I was peddling <laughs> for, for about 13 years. <laughs> so, do you, <laughs> so do you enjoy, do you enjoy then having to, uh, the 25 minute, do you enjoy that? Like, does, as a oh. comedian, is that like, that is, that's the bee's knees. That's, that's kick ass. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's completely changed my love for the, for, for comedy. It's um, before I was forced, before I was put in a pressure situation for the theater tours. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit soul crushing going out there and doing the same goddamn material every time. And, and then you're not even really doing it for the art. You're, you're, you're more doing it for, 
going from city to city to party, basically, because you could just talk that dumb routine that I've been doing for 13 years. I don't even need to be in the moment on stage to do it. It just comes out of your mouth. You've got no, you no soul behind it. Um, so until I was put in this situation where I needed to create, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I adore it because now I, I use the comedy clubs like in the UK and, and in Canada to instead I use it to create material. So every show now I'm scared and I'm doing a new joke in the middle of a headlining set that I don't know which way it's going to go. And, you know, probably one out of every three jokes that you try sucks. So, you know, it's, um, it's dangerous. It's, uh, it's, uh, and you're in the moment and it's, uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. But that's a hell of a fucking feeling that, that like, that like rush of like something new and you don't know the outcome. Yeah. There's something there. That's, that's addictive. Oh, it's addictive. Hell yeah. Yeah. And to see it fly too. Like I just had, uh, I, I, I've done two weeks of work this year, but I, um, um, to, I have, I wanted, I had a concept for a closing joke for the next tour and it was just lucky that it just started working one away right away. I mean, right. The first time I told it, it was seven minutes of pure fun. And when you see it take off, just some dumb idea that, um, it's oh, so addicting. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's like snowboarding. It's, it's fun. Do you ever, does your brain ever turn off from comedy then? Like, can you just like go to a family Christmas and not see some humor starting to pop out of different situations? Like, can you turn that side of your brain off or is it just always firing? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can turn it off. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I can turn it off and just be, um, just be a nephew or a, or a grandkid or something. I, 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 you know, but come to think of it, I do take a lot of notes at family reunions. So, you're in the middle of a family reunion. Hopped on the phone. <laughs> Grandma just did X, and yeah. Billy just whatever. That's what you're doing? Yeah, because I do have like... There's Paul the comedian over in the corner again, typing (laughs) on his phone. Meanwhile, you're doing is you're just analyzing everybody. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so I guess... Yeah, you know what? I Yeah, that's bullshit. I guess I can't turn it off because I have like tons of jokes. I have this great aunt, uh, Chris, and she knows about the jokes. And they're like, you know, she... I'm not uh, taking the piss out of her or anything. She's just a delightful human and... Um, but I, yeah, I have lots of jokes about her. And, um, so yeah, you're right. I guess I can't turn it off. I'm, oh yeah. You're, you learn to look at the world as an observer and try to, and always be asking why, like, why would we do that? Why would, and then, and questioning everything. And I, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess it's hard to turn off now that I think about it for sure. And I, I have a notes in my phone. There's probably 5,000 notes in my phone. Just, uh, just, just about random bullshit. You know, when you go back to saying getting bit, you talk about uh, comedians, you can see when a person on their first time gets bit or you talk about not being able to turn it off. I just, uh, when I played hockey, that makes, I think there's guys who just, they, they fall into a sport or they fall. It doesn't have to be hockey, be anything. I think getting bit goes to anything. And when I first started this, uh, February, 2019, the first time I did it, I went, wow, that's something. That was, that was something, right? <laughs> and then, and then you just, you just fast forward and it's addictive, uh, which is, you know, I'm go, I'm speaking directly to what you've been talking about with comedy. It's addictive. 
it's uh, there's this rush of when you try something new, when you bring a com a comedian on for the first time. I, I was I tell you what, I was I'm I'm always petrified, you know, like if I stayed in the wheelhouse of hockey player yeah. all my life, it's probably a successful uh recipe because I understand it. Um I've been relatively successful at it, right? Like uh um I've had some had some success on the hockey world of having guys come in, but there is something just fun about having something that is completely out of the recipe oh it's uh it's whoever and we're going to talk about their career we're gonna have some fun stories about nhl and blah 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 oh we're gonna do that again we're gonna rinse and repeat but you you mentioned the 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 kind of the soul in it the the art form of comedy and uh i i hope that's what i do for my listeners all the time because i really I'm, i'm intrigued by that because if you regurgitated the same thing over and over and over again although it will be funny if it's the first time you've heard it or enjoyable maybe the first or third time you've heard it i feel like it just kind of gets old over time and uh talking about the soul in comedy i think there's the same thing could be said about anything in life and uh the soul like when you say that about comedians the guy who comes to mind is dave chappelle when i watch dave chappelle every time he just looks like he's having fun and there's all the range of emotions with him. Bill Burr is another guy. Bill Burr is fantastic. Like there's something to be said about those guys and how they can just see the world and be almost fearless in what they say and the reaction they're going to get. And that probably takes time. And you probably, you know, doing it as long as you have understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, with those two, it takes somebody really special. Oh yeah. And by the way, congratulations on your, because when, when you approached me and then I looked up your podcast and the first thing that came up was Ron McLean. And then I was like, <laughs> I was like, what a fall from grace. This guy's going to have Ron McLean and then Paul fucking Meyerhog on this. You, podcast. you know, you, you know, know? <laughs> you know, who my last two have been Paul, you know who you're following now. Glenn Ely. I know that. And Don Cherry right before that. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so Don Cherry, Glenn Ely, Paul, that's who we got. <laughs> How are you even taking this seriously right now? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I tell you what, somebody, somebody at the beginning told me, uh, before I let you answer, somebody told me right at the beginning, and they're probably right. The quickest way to success would be to follow that train ride, that wave, that big hill, and follow Don Cherry with Glenn Healy and follow it with another NHLer and another NHLer and another. I get bored. And so I love... I love throwing curveballs in. And from the listeners who follow along, they love a curveball too. They love hearing about a comedian from, well, Camrose, which brings it local, but sitting over yeah. in Paris and, and the stories and the lifestyle. It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's unbelievable. Don Cherry. Holy Don fucking Cherry. We can say the fucking word in there. Apologies, mom. Earmuffs. Get them on. Because that, yeah, it was cool. That's one off the bucket list unbelievable man unbelievable okay cool how long did you have him uh motor mouthing for did he do an a, hour uh, oh my god cool man yeah unbelievable nice yeah. kid congratulations well dude. thank you yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah I don't yeah. know i i look at it the the same way i think uh, from what i'm hearing from you is, is i just i don't look at it the the five-year game i look at i'm 34 right now hmm. and Maybe podcasting changes over time and it turns into something a little bit different, but I really hope by 54 and 20 years, I'm still doing it, which means that, you know, when you listen to a guy like Joe Rogan and hear how good he is and like, 
the guests he gets on. Well, he's been doing it for, I don't know, 12 years now, nine, 10 years, whatever it is. And he's in his fifties. So it just means he's 20 years advanced from me And he's just, I, I enjoy how he does it. There's going to be haters of that. There's going to be haters, of anything that in life. Right. And as long as yeah. you're having fun with it and enjoying the ride, that's what it's all about. That's yeah, what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I completely agree. And, and uh, to your point about um, Burr and Chappelle on the same thread, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like me knowing uh, right at the front of this interview, I knew, you know, I could play hockey. I was pretty decent. I was good. Uh, you know, I played in the summer leagues in Vancouver, but I knew I didn't have that pit bull madman. You know, I didn't Mentality. have to go, you know, I just didn't do it. And, um, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm a successful comedian, but you know, when I look at <clears throat> Chappelle and Burr, if you take an honest look at it, I like, for some reason inside of me, I'm a little bit too worried about what people are going to think if I say a certain thing that's on my mind, you know, and those guys don't give a fuck. They just, they're built that way. They'll say whatever that's not, they just don't care. They do not care. And, <clears throat> you know, and you sort of have an honest look at yourself as a performer and you're like, well, I don't quite have that gear. You know, I'm still gonna be placating to the audience a little bit where these guys are just built the way they're, they're like, you get on board or you can, or, or, or fuck off. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like me. And I still, you know, so there's differences like that, that, um, that I really, really admire in those guys, you know, uh, and still work towards today to, to, uh, to be a little bit more fearless. Even after 20 years, I'm still working on being fearless. Well, you watch Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle is damn it. He's on the bucket list. I know that's a, that's a, I get that one. Paul come give me a parade probably, but oh. <laughs> I watch him like the videos of him back when he was like, what was it? 18 or 19. And he's on uh, David Letterman. And you're like, yeah. and then you hear the skitty. It wasn't, it wasn't like something like uh, fluffy for a comedian mm. to talk about. It was like, you know, race jokes and, and stuff that was, you know, when you think of the time, you know, oh, that's, that's pretty ballsy to walk out as a young guy and do that. But obviously that's what got him spotted and that put him on the map. And, but I, you know, and to your point about uh, being conscious of who you are, that that's a fair point. I, mm. I'm, uh, I was saying to Don, one of the things you love about Don Cherry, and it ended up getting him canned in the end, right? Is he, mm. his filter was non-existent. He said what was on his mind and he meant it at all times. And a lot of us are cognizant of, well, maybe we shouldn't say this at this point because this room won't adjust to that and whatever else. And as a, as a host, I, I'm pretty, I'm going with flow. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a Don Cherry. And Don Cherry, well, there's a reason why he's Don Cherry. And there's yes. a reason why Dave Chappelle is Dave Chappelle. And yeah. they, they just, they have a way. And that's special. It's mm -hmm. very special to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's special to have the wiring to just don't, don't care. Like, I don't, they just don't care. They don't care what, uh, what the hell anybody thinks about it. It's, it's amazing. You say that. But what I did find interesting about Don Cherry is uh, I asked him the first time the critics got on him, right? Because, I mean, like on a national level, he says some of the things he says, and they must have berated him. And you could tell. He was thinking back to it, and he was just like, no, nope, the first time hurt, and the first time I wanted to quit. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you go, yeah, I could, I get that. It was a very human side of Don Cherry for a brief 15 seconds on the entire interview where you're like, and I bet you Dave Chappelle has felt the same thing, right? To like expose yeah. yourself that much to the world is, uh, well, it's, it's very, it's showing vulnerabilities. And <laughs> if there's anything you've probably learned on the world is uh, no matter how good of a person you ever are, there's still going to be somebody who hates you always. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> there is no pleasing everybody. That's for sure. You must've had, how many years you've been doing comedy now? 20. So you 20 on the button. 20 on the button. Yeah. I started in 2000. So 2000, right on my birthday, May 25th, 2000, uh, I started. Okay. So in 20 years, who is the most memorable heckler you've ever had where you just wanted to st- walk out and swat him? Oh God. Good question. Um, you know, oh yeah, this, yeah, I mean, the the one, and I actually um, took the scary thing he said to me, and I use it in a in a joke about how um, how Canadians start a fist fight. Um, uh, in it, but it was in Lethbridge. It was a gig called the Blarney Stone uh, in Lethbridge. And um, when I was on stage, um, I was, you know, I do a lot of crowd work. I talk to people and uh, I was talking to the, obviously a table of brawlers, brawlers. I mean, these guys were just like, just like, 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 like you, like a backwards hat, <laughs> fucking, you know, like I was a kid. Fucking was backwards hats, bastards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, but you could just tell they've been into some altercations, you know, and um and uh, I was opening, I must've been 19 years old. And I said something to one of them. And he said, uh, watch your fucking mouth or I'm going to punch the eyebrows off your face. And, um, and that always, that, that has stuck in my mind the whole time. And, but somebody came to my defense and they're like, don't do that, man. He's just a kid. He's trying his best. And he's like, why don't you fucking, and then a full scale brawl broke out. And instead of leaving the stage, I just uh, held onto the microphone and I did the hockey announcements for the brawl. There must have been 20 guys fighting full. There, it sh- like cops showed up and I just gave people nicknames of who they looked like. So one guy had a big nose. I was like, whoa, Tim Hunter takes a giant left to the, and I just did the, did the, <laughs> the hockey announcement for this brawl. It was, yeah. It was that, um, that experience, uh, really sticks out to me, but that line, it shook me to my core. I'll punch the eyebrows off your face. I thought, uh, how, uh, how descriptive, uh, very good line, sir. Very good line. That's gotta be the most Canadian thing ever getting an absolute brawl at a comedy, uh, show. And it started by defending the comedian. You're an yeah. asshole. Let's go at it ourselves. <laughs> Not the comedian yeah. jumping off the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was incredible. And, um, and oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another scary one. It was in London, one of my first gigs in London, England, when I'd moved there. Um, and uh, same thing, I, uh, I usually find trouble and I go at it head on. I figure that's the best policy. Just get it on the table and go at the go at the tough guys. It, it, equally as tough. I just go right down their throats uh, and it just, it works for me. So there was a geezer in the bar, a real tough guy. <clears throat> and um, 
I said something to we had uh yeah that's a geezer geezer yeah, all right yeah 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 London geezer you know like oh he might fucking oh you might you know like a geezer right <laughs> um so uh but he um he walked up on stage on right on stage and the whole rest of the crowd went ooh and he was wearing a tracksuit you know South London um guy and he handed me the beer and I was like what's this for and he said, um, so uh, when you get stabbed in the parking lot after the show, everybody will know it was me. And then he walked off. <laughs> and the whole crowd, or they, everybody again went like, oh, hey, like a, like a kid got in trouble at school. Like, hey, mate, you're going to get stabbed. Eh? Woohoo! Like, like it was, that, was, that was a very scary one as well. That was a, that was a scary echo. So what did you do after that? Oh, they escorted me out. Like uh, the the bar owners and the bartenders and the and the doorman and that they ex- they put me in a in a blacktop cab outside. They they completely escorted me out. It, it seemed like he was um, no one to mess around with this guy, and they they knew who he was, and so they just got me in car and and got me out of there. What you yeah. you're telling me you essentially picked a guy picked a made fun of a guy out in the crowd, and he. Walked up, handed you a beer, and said, "I'll stab you." And they escorted you. Did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I finished my show. I did the rest of my time. <laughs> and then, and, uh, and yeah, and then the bar owners and the bartenders and the and the doorman they walked me out, put me in the cab, and and sent me on my way. Hey, Paul, that's Tony. Uh, we're gonna escort you. You don't want to fuck with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I never went back to that venue or, or really to that. <laughs> and I'm never coming back here ever again. <laughs> yeah. 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 So those two, um, those two stick out in my head as uh, a weird heckling experiences. Now I got to bring uh, the wife and I have talked about this an awful lot because um, I'm a big fan of, as you've heard, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr um, back going like to my younger years, Eddie Murphy, um, Dane Cook, and what we always wonder is, and Mel and I were literally just talking about this like two days ago, is, is there a lot of thought that goes into the, the outfit when you're doing, you know, like, I'm going to be on stage, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on an outfit? Cause, and the guys I'm talking about, they always seem to like the leather, the, <laughs> I don't know, man. You, you talk, I heard you talk about the, the plaid shirt and that. So I assume there's some serious thought that goes into, hey, I'm going to wear this because it's going to elicit it this is what I look like, but I don't know. Like what, what did the comedians talk about with what they're wearing when they walk out to a, you know, to a live special? Yeah. 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 So I guess um, I came up in an era where it didn't matter as much. You, it was more of the, you know, Zach Galifianakis, uh, everybody was wearing hoodies and a t-shirt and, you know, it was more hipster, um, but which fits a Canadian wardrobe perfectly. All I really own is hoodies and, and he's like a, you know, so um, in my you don't era, own wasn't a big leather pants and a leather jacket. <laughs> no, <laughs> not that I admit to. It's once in a while the missus makes me put on the red leathers. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, but you know, I guess um, the the television specials that I've done. I mean, I did an hour comedy special for the Comedy Network um, when I was a young man, and. Um, then I, I definitely thought about the wardrobe for sure, but I, um, you know, I didn't, it, what it, that rock star thing was gone, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to the leather shop and, uh, you know, just getting a, a nice pair of shoes and a dress shirt and a, and a nice pair of jeans, you know, it was, uh, that whole, 
rock star comedy had uh, had passed by the time I was uh, coming we, along. I, it's it's bringing back why we were talking about it because uh, um, Kevin Hart had done one here recently in his living room or whatever wherever it was, and he had like this weird I don't know pajama suit on kind of thing, and we're like. Why does does he have somebody looking at him going that looks great? Like why would you wear that? Or is it just from where I'm sitting and people are going you got a backwards hat on a t-shirt, you look like a moron too. I have no idea, Paul. I have no idea, Paul. I'm wondering if comedians actually talk about this and are like, "You know what you need to do? You need to develop a pajama suit because a pajama suit is going to look amazing and people are going to talk about this." Like it's Kevin freaking Hart. Like why wouldn't he just, I don't know, wear something that looks presentable? Yeah, yeah. Was he doing? I haven't seen it, but was he was he doing like a COVID? You know, like oh, this is my. Ah, that's co- true. Like a, that is true. That know. is fair. It was a COVID yeah. from his house, so maybe that. Hey, now you're making me sound like a jackass. All right, fair. <laughs> he was doing the pajama suit because he's locked in his house and he can't leave. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'm yeah, an yeah, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks, Paul. The guy's actually more thought out than he than than I am. All right. <laughs> Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, you know, I think the trick is, is um, especially if no one knows you, like, you know, when I'm doing gigs in in Europe, no one knows who the hell I am. So um, I think you're, you choose clothes that you, in comedy, you really only get 15 seconds of a crowd's first impression and they're going to decide if they like you or not. If you're an unknown person, if they already know who you are, if you're Chappelle or Seinfeld or something, you have their trust immediately. But for an unknown person, you got about 15 seconds and they're going to decide whether you're going to bomb or, or, or whether you're not in those 15 seconds, 15 to 30, about your first joke. Um, so whatever you're wearing, if it, if, if it could fit your character the best, you know? So if those Europeans are going to look at me like I'm some sort of like dumb Canadian lumberjack, which a lot of them do, um, you know, then a plaid shirt and a pair of jeans, it's going to fit your character. You're going to, you're going to find you're going to be a lot more successful. And as far as talking about it beyond that, I, um, I think that I think uh, pretty much every comic would agree with, uh, with that. Hmm. 15 seconds is a short time, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You really got to hit him hard that first one. And then once you got him, you got him, you can go, you know, take him down weird paths after that. But uh, yeah, you, you, you you don't have too much time to make that impression. Hmm. 15 seconds is a short period of time. I, 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 uh, when you do a podcast and you talk to somebody not for 15 seconds, as you have clearly experienced, uh, 15 seconds is like, man, you got to hit them hard. You got to hit them. You must have a nice warmer that you're like, Hey, how's it going? Boom. Or do you yeah. create new ones all the time then? Yeah, I try to, because of the, because of the tour, um, I try to create like one real snippy, um, opening, uh, opening a year, but, uh, yeah, so I have a few of them. Um, but, uh, and you, you try to take pride in how short a joke can be the the fewer the fewest words possible um you take so pride the, in the, oh yeah yeah if you could trim the fat on yeah and just get down a joke shaved down to a few words it's beautiful it's beautiful and other comics will be like god damn that is fucking good wait writing, wait, right? wait wait and i don't know i'm putting you on the spot now but do you have one mm-hmm. of those uh yeah so my i think the um 
the most recent quick opener that I've been using in Europe was um, um, last year I found a lump in my right testicle and then the whole audience kind of gets taken back and then I say, you're left. <laughs> because, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> I put you on the spot because I'm like, what happens if I don't laugh? Like, right, what, I'm like, oh, that's going to be awkward, right? No, that's good. As soon as you mention testicles, it already makes you smile, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and you say a lump, then people are going to, you know, be obviously concerned. So it just, uh, it gets their attention right away. And then the year left thing, then, and, and you're off to the races. So that's, uh, I think that's my most proud uh, opener that I, and I, and I really did find a lump. Uh, and then I have a whole story that went with that, but um but uh, that's been my most sharp opening joke for the last couple of years. Now, I said at the start of all this, before we started recording, uh, if people want to listen more of you, they should go to the Microdose podcast. Yes. Now, I was, I'm about to sound really, really dumb because I don't really, you talk about just, no, it's a Microdose of you two, yet everything on the image, everything about the podcast suggests microdosing. Right. Which is that part of it then? Um, I guess in in theory, um, we thought that it would be f fun to be microdosed every time we did the um, the podcast. Um, but logistically, and uh, it just it just wouldn't work out, you know, because I'm in different countries all the time. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'd be hard pressed to find um, psilocybin in Oslo, not knowing anybody, you know, so <laughs> it's, uh, so I guess, um, I guess that that was the theory. And when we came up with the concept, um, we were microdosing. So, um, uh, and when I asked Damon to do the podcast with me, so it was a bit of the, um, a bit of both of that. And, but really all we promise is it's just a microdose of Damon and Paul every week, you know, so it's an, it's a, it's a little microdose of funny every, every week. Now, this is where I come in sounding really dumb because I don't microdose. And I got to assume that half of my listeners have no idea what I'm even talking about right now. So can you at least explain what the hell you're talking about? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So microdose would be um, taking um, a a drug, uh, for the, that, you know, I, I wouldn't like to call it that let's say, uh, psilocybin or THC or LSD, um, in such a minimal dose that it really, it really doesn't affect you, um, to the point where you're out of control. So I'm talking about minute doses of, um, of these products. And the reason why right now it's so popular and, uh, and you're seeing a lot of, um, states and and canada is very close to it as well um legalizing especially psilocybin um is because um they're finding that for mental health um and in the hockey world uh i'm sure you uh, you've already heard this but it's, very, it's getting very popular now um for post-concussion syndromes um for um for anxiety for so a, what, a, a what, what what is it about it though like what as a guy who's never done it, mm -hmm. I sit here and I go, okay, so what is it, you know, I enjoy and partaking in a scotch with you. Yeah. What is it about microdosing that is just like, I don't know, why is everybody slowly turning to her? What, why is, 
like you say, I, I absolutely have heard about it uh, in Canada. I've certainly heard about it a lot more in recent days and then probably the last like three, four months. Um, and if you go back at, you know, a couple of years, certainly heard about it back then. And it just seems like it's coming up more and more and more. And that's why I want to talk about it is, is more so just for awareness of what it is and why it's mm-hmm. becoming prevalent. So what is it about it? Um, so what they're finding is, is that, um, and I'm, I'm going to, uh, also say that I am by not a no doctor. means an expert. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a doctor and, um, I, I am well read on it, uh, and I do believe in the benefits for mental health. Um, but what they're finding is you're, especially with psilocybin, um, your brain can make new neural pathways. Um, so def- basically new connections. So if you're, um, let's say an ex-hockey player that has a lot of concussions and uh, post-career you're suffering from um, anxiety and, uh, and depression, um, these new neural passageways can make a new connection in your brain um, that y- that, um, that can be very positive, and the and and you can start you can start retraining your brain, um, and you can uh, that that's basically the concept around it. It's um, it's basically taking an electrician and pulling some of those plugs out and putting them in other places, and uh, and and they're finding. I mean, it, it, it is about to get legalized and it is legalized in a lot of states um, and scientists and uh, some doctors have been using these methods um, before the war on drugs, especially if you're talking about things like ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, they were using to um, cure uh, alcoholism and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder um, way before the war on drugs. Um, I mean, back in the 60s. Um, with a 86 percent uh, success rate for addictions, 86 percent for alcohol and for drugs, they're using ayahuasca to. Um, what is? This, uh, I'm going to once again assume a 86 is like wow, like yeah, that is a big huge. number. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume a lot of people here, uh, maybe people don't want to know, but uh, what is ayahuasca? I'm going to assume that a few people have never heard of it before or don't understand. Yeah, so ayahuasca comes from South America. Um, Peru is uh, where you could go for most of your ayahuasca uh, retreats. Um, They do have them on Vancouver Island. They do have some in Mexico. Um, They call it it a medicine. Um, It is a root. It is a natural root. Um, Basically, you know, when you die, um, you, your life flashes before your eyes. Well, that's just a chemical that's released into your brain, um, just before you die. Now, ayahuasca basically, um, just pulls that cord, um, and releases that chemical. Um, so basically you're dealing with all your fears and, uh, at one, one time, it just, it's all hitting you at once. So it's basically, they say it's kind of like, um, the Coles notes to enlightenment is what they're saying. Um, so you go down there, if you're suffering from um, addictions and, and things like that, obviously a lot of that is packed into your past, you know? So this makes you face all those truths that you've been all the hiding. Demons. All the demons. So it, it forces you to do it. And it's awful. You spend eight hours vomiting in a bucket and it's scary. And, um, but, um, but yeah, do your own research. I mean, I'm not even really, I've never done ayahuasca. Um, I'm, I'm not telling your listeners to go do it, but um, 
but you know, it's, it's hard to ignore the movement that's happening right now. I mean, all these things are coming into, in, into the public, uh, you know, mainstream. And, uh, and if you're in, and you, it's just interesting to read about. Um, um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so my podcast partner, he is one of the guys that did go down to do ayahuasca. Um, and he had unbelievable success with it. I mean, completely changed his life. Um, in, How so? Uh, <clears throat> well, he, he's a little bit older than, uh, than I am. And I don't want to talk about his business, but he, you know, he was able to let go of some things that were plaguing him. And uh, that was years ago. And he's still, he's still good to go. And it was just, it was one week ceremony and, and uh, he had to face all his demons and coming out the other side. Uh, and another one of our buddies, who's, who's an actor who was plagued with um, uh, depression and, um, and, and addiction to alcohol. He did it at the same time. I believe it was six years ago. Uh, and he didn't touch it. He still hasn't touched a beer. I mean, it's, it's not like it's even an effort they, he just got back and he just didn't, they, he, there was no point to touch a, he has zero craving for alcohol, zero. He just, he just hasn't touched it. So it's a, it's quite incredible. It sounds incredible. Like, yeah. I mean that in like the, you know, I don't mean that in the sense that I'm hopping a flight out to, uh, vancouver tomorrow to go do it i mean that in the sense that i feel like you search in life as you get older for incredible incredible experiences or whatever what have you and uh one i've been raving on lately and everybody's laughing at me is uh natural honey um that's an experience i've had where i take it at night with with just tea and i sleep unbelievable and the more i research it the more i find that oh wait like pure honey is actually a natural remedy for sleep. And uh, if, especially if the bees have grown up in, where you grew up, right? They're, right. they're in your area. There's a lot of properties in that that are very beneficial. And you're like, what's incredible about it isn't that it works, is that it, it works so well, it's so evident. Like mm -hmm. the next day it's evident. Like what the hell was that? And when I hear you talk about ayahuasca, it's not that, it's not that uh, you, you go racing to go do it. It's, it's not like it's, um, it's not like it's, uh, ACDC coming in Edmonton. You're like, Oh fuck, I gotta go hear those guys live. You know, <laughs> Yeah. It, it's what's incredible about it or what hearing about it is that's interesting to me is that it's something that immediately you can see a change in people mm -hmm. and for good things, right? Like not like, so much of what we hear about drugs is like, if you try, let's, let's use something popular. Uh, a popular drug right now is probably, you know, while well, weed is also obviously been um, across the country, but let, let's go with something a little further. Let's go with cocaine and cocaine. There's, there's this definite, once again, like very negative spot on it for rightful mm -hmm. reasons, because a lot of people who do that, never come back from it. Yes. And, and that is evident to the population, but what you're talking about, and the reason why I, I'm just curious about it, because once again, your, your podcast is the microdose, right? And although mm -hmm. it's a, it's a play on words, you've said it in the beginning and that's what it was. And I'm, I'm just curious about it. And I, I, yeah. I gotta say, I love that you go, I'm not a doctor and I want to, but, but if people have listened that long or this long, they understand mm -hmm. at this point that we're not doctors here. We're just talking about yeah. things that are, well, 
evident, noticeable. And I find yes. that very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I guess my like, the, the nice thing about ayahuasca and psilocybin is they're not addictive. I mean, they're in no way, it's not like cocaine where you're like, okay, uh, you do it once and you're like, well, I'm doing it for 15 years. You know, there's no, (laughs) 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 or or alcohol there, you know, there, you're, there isn't that drawback to those things. It is, um, uh, yeah. When you do ayahuasca, you know, you're, you're never want to do it again, ever. It's so it's, it, it doesn't have that quality about it. Um, so there's really no reason not to have an open mind about it. And I'm really happy. I just listened to a, um, an ex-hockey player. He was an enforcer that's using um, microdosing for psilocybin. And, how and who's that? Um, uh, it was on Spitting Chicklets. It was one of the, it was maybe four episodes ago. I'm going to try to okay. think of the name. Um I've been trying to think of it for a couple of minutes, so I don't think it's going to come to me. But um, he started a company um, uh, where where he's going to, uh, um, yeah, look, look at about four episodes ago. He and you know if it's getting into if it's getting into that level of our popular culture, if got if hockey players are seeing the benefits of it, um, you know, I think it's something we Grattan? I think it's something you got uh, Gratton, yeah, Gratton, Gratton. Yeah, Grattan. It was Grattan. And he's using it and it's, he's completely cured. You know, he's doing a lot better. And that guy was in serious trouble for in really dark place. So you listen to that interview. It's just so cool that um, that there's a different option rather than a chemical. And he's not getting high on mushrooms. He's just doing them. Um, you don't even feel it. It's just a minute level of it. Just a little bit. You don't even feel a buzz. And it just it just helps with those neural pathways. No, it's cool. Like like I say, the reason I wanted to go pick on it a little bit is once again, you got a podcast and I know it's play on words and everything else, but I think it's just, you know, you got to expand your mind a little bit. You got to just open your mind to a couple different ideas and see what it is and whether it's there for you or not. I've, I could care less. I'm not running this. Like I said earlier, I'm not running to Vancouver, Vancouver to go do it, but I do find it interesting that it's evident. And there's very few things in life that come along that are like, just like evident, like, wow, that worked or that didn't work. I mean, it can go both ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I, I'm, I don't think people would describe me as somebody that, um, that suffers from a lot of depressions. I'm usually a pretty jovial guy. I have my bad days like everybody, but um, yeah, I still find a lot of success in staying away from, lots of carbohydrates and exercising uh, for me is like equally, this is just another positive thing you could do for yourself. I think, you know, just another thing in your arsenal and along with, you know, CBD oil is another huge one right now that um, uh, which is derived from, you know, cannabis, but again, there's no THC in it. There's no quality to actually get you high, but people are, I mean, it's um it's an anti-inflammatory so it's gonna it's gonna help in a lot in a lot of different ways for people and uh, it's um people i think are are starting to have a bit more of an open mind about these things so um i think uh, i think it's really cool well that's one of the cool things about uh internet um zoom calls podcasts everything like this it's just expanded the world so like well or shrunk the world whatever whichever way you want to go um it's allowed 
access to really smart ideas that, I mean, come on, man. And we're sitting in, I'm sitting in Lloyd, you're sitting in Paris. It's just, even in what we're doing right now, if you just had the old ways a hundred years ago, you wouldn't know anything outside of where you're at. And I wouldn't either. And that there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of positives that came off of those old ways, but in our current world, there's a lot of positives that come off of being able to expand the world, being able to talk to people on the other side or bring in and hear the expert from, I don't know, Connecticut, but you're sitting in Lloyd like that. That's really cool. What we have right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. The access is amazing right now. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and 99% of it is free, which is even better. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, actually I watched a, um, a, a documentary last night about it, but um, I, I love this quote where they said um, they were talking about a, if you put it in a sports analogy. So they said, well, if you had a hockey team and um, they were, you know, since 1900, they've never made the playoffs ever. Just, you know, that can't be the players. Like it can't be the human race since the beginning of a hockey. Eventually you're going to fire your coaches and your front end staff and you're going to come at it with a different system. And, um, and that's how they explained what's going on now with the, um, with that microdose world. I mean, I think they're firing the front office of, um, you know, pharmaceuticals and some of those old um, ways that we used to do things. They're, they're, they've changed the front end staff and, and, and realizing a benefit for it. I think mm, that's in it <laughs> for all my hockey player listeners. They're going, you haven't made the playoffs in 120 years. What the hell is going on? Fire everyone. Fire everyone now. Yeah, the culture. Yeah, yeah. It's culture. It's not McDavid. It's culture. <laughs> Oh man, we're in business this year. We got the playoffs locked. I can't wait for this all Canadian division. I'm oh so man, jacked, man. You know what? I uh, everybody always rags on. Well, not rags on. I, I mean, it's easy, easy, easy to look at uh, COVID and look at all the restrictions that put on everyone and like all the negativity. I get everything about it, but and a big but in my opinion is like look at some of the cool possibilities that's grown. And one of them is, one of them was the NHL playoffs we had. Now it's the all Canadian division. Like how fucking cool is this? Tell me as a kid, you didn't think, why can't all the Canadian teams just play each other? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Oh yeah. 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 And oh, the, and especially having it like a baseball, more of a baseball series where you go to town and you play, you know, three games in a row. Uh, again, I mean, like it's a mini playoffs every week all over Canada. Like it's, it's, it is, I am so jacked for it. I already got my NHL package paid for. They sent me an email. I was like, hell yeah, you can charge me whatever the hell you want. I'm getting so, I got it on the TV here in France. I'm fucking ready to go. Oh man, uh, it's, it's going to be fireworks out there. It's going to be so fun. I'm excited. Now the question I have then is uh, where do the Oilers finish? You got a prediction on that? Yeah, me and my old man were talking about this and um, I think uh, with the risk of not being, you know, I know this is a... Oh, you're being too biased? Or are you going to shit on them? Where where are you going here? I think that we're going to be behind Toronto at the top. You think Toronto's at the top? Yeah, yeah. I think think it's going to be Toronto and the Oilers in the the second slot. Hmm. Interesting. I hope, uh, I hope you're right. 
Well, I, I hope Toronto. I hope Edmonton's at the top. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah. What do you? Think? Oh, I I love the Oilers. I I really do. Um, but in saying that, uh, you can't argue with Toronto. Uh, when you look at Toronto, uh, over the last what has it even been? The last five years, maybe. Like they've been very successful but they play out of a division with tampa bay and boston they've met boston every freaking year and we all laugh at them when they can't win but i mean they're playing boston and boston is one of the top what three four teams in the league the last five years i have a hard time you know i i'm gonna throw a wild ball or wild card out there because everybody will laugh but uh they just signed a local kid in in braden holpe and the Vancouver Canucks, when you watch them play, there's something fun to watch about them. I wish the Oilers would adopt a little more of it. They work their asses off. Yeah. And yeah, there's yeah. no, no, uh, like, you just can't replace that. There's no, you can't, you can have all the talent in the world. Well, hell, I, Canada just played Slovakia. And... It was a one nothing game going in the third period, and there was like, I don't know, what was it, five minutes left, I want to say? Not even. There was like three minutes left. And the reason why they were still in the game and Canada couldn't score is because Canada was trying to do the nonchalant, like, fancy, you got all the talent in the world, and they should be up 10 nothing. But the other team just fucking works their bag off and just works and works and re- never relents. That's kind of Vancouver. Yeah. Now, and now my Vancouver friends are going to say, oh, I got all these guys. Well, you do. You got a talented team. But the Oilers got your side on McDavid and Nuge. And, like, they got some players. They got some absolute. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I, uh, I look at it and I go, the Oilers haven't shown me enough where they are top. And I could see where Vancouver is floating in there. Now screw all you Calgary Flames fans. I hope uh, I hope they are at the very bottom of the division. And uh, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Yeah, uh, fuck. My buddy called me on it because I was like, uh, I was like, I hate Chuck so bad. Like, and he was like, Well, if he was an Oiler, you would love him. And I was like, I would not. And then, and he thought, but I guess like, yeah. I guess he's right. Like if, if Maddie was an oiler, you'd be, we'd be like, mix it up, Maddie. Come on, buddy. Good job. <laughs> but that there's no more frustrating hockey player in the NHL right now than fucking Chuck. I hate Zach Cassian well, breaks yeah. Gagne's jaw. You fucking hate him. Yeah. Now he's on our team. You love him. It's yeah. You simple love as him. that. If, if Kachuk was on our team, we'd love him. Yeah. Can't yeah. say the same thing about Johnny hockey. He kind of bothers <laughs> me, but, yeah. but, but it's fair. Uh, if you were going to take one Calgary Flame over the entire Flames history to bring on the Oilers, who would you take in their prime? Uh, Terry Crisp. Terry um, Crisp? <laughs> I'm just joking. Come on! <laughs> I just tried to think of the most obscure Flame. <laughs> so, like, the Flames today or any Flame of all Any time? Flame. All time. Oh, all time. man. We're talking... The Lanny McDonalds, the Theo Fleury's, the Doug Gilmore, the uh, Jerome McGinley, um, oh, Kipper, Al McInnes, um, Kipper, yeah, 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 Rick Natris, <laughs> or 
Hawk and lube. <laughs> Hawk and lube, baby. <laughs> Bring them over. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, that's a tough question. Yeah, but you got to go. If I if it's coming to the Oilers, to my team, I got to go again, because that guy was so solid, never got hurt, unbelievable human. I'm going Iggy. I, I, and if there's a flame that I love, it's a Ginla. And, uh, and I can't name another flame that I loved, but I did love Iggy. If you didn't say Iggy, I probably would have hung up this call. Uh, that, that's the one I have. <laughs> that's the only one. Everybody will talk yeah. about They can say anyone else they want. A Ginla is a guy that you're like, God, I fucking hate the Oilers. Uh, Oilers, the Flames. Yeah. But if he came across... Yeah, and even for him to win a cup there, I would have been like mad at the Flames, but I would have been happy for Iggy. Like that guy, yeah. he did everything right. Like absolutely. Yeah. Everything. Classy St. Albert kid, like he just, he's just the best. He's just the best. And yeah, 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 just a just a great guy. And all the all the, you know, the Olympics, you, you know, how do you not love Iggy? Yeah, he's just wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, well, before I hold you here too too long, and now my bottle of scotch is empty, so that's partly part of the problem <laughs> is uh we're gonna do the crew master final five so a huge shout out to uh heath and tracy mcdonald uh supporters of the podcast since the very beginning five quick questions long short you want to go here we go if you could sit down with one person who would you take and you know what normally i say dead or alive but from now on i think i'm gonna say alive i, I like somebody who tomorrow if you wanted you could have hop on the microdose um my biggest uh, Letterman. I would, uh, I, I would really, really badly. Uh, yeah, Letterman. Letterman. Hands down, Letterman. Have you watched his show on Netflix? Absolutely, absolutely. And I just, what a, what a great, what a great man. And to just give it all up and go to Montana and grow a beard and do, you know, do your own Netflix thing. Like he, everything he did with his career, it was like a a veteran that won the Stanley cup and then retired that second and walked away. It was perfect. He, he is uh, the benchmark in, uh, in, in comedy, I'd say. So if I get Letterman, I'm going to send you that link. Cause I'm certainly on my list. Cause I also watch that show and he's fantastic. He's one of the best interviewers that I've seen. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Who's your favorite guest on the show? His current show on Netflix. Uh, well, Obama, I guess. God. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess Obama because yeah, I mean, it was just it's Obama. Hyster- it was historic. Like it's too, yeah, Obama, Obama. You know, people can about- hate hate or love Obama. It doesn't really much matter. But you get that guy for an hour and sit and listen to him talk. You aren't but engaged. It, you like. Frig, that guy is smooth. Like he just unbelievable. And so inspiring. Every time you listen to him talk, you feel like you can make change in the world. Do good. Do do good for yourself. Do good for others. He's just an inspiring, inspiring man. Love that guy. If you could perform in one place that you haven't performed yet. No, if you could perform in one place, if you could go back no matter where it is and perform in front of a full house, so we're talking, you can get 100,000 people to come see Paul. That's cool. But where do you want to perform that you haven't or have? Uh, 
Well, Carnegie. I would uh, Carnegie or Radio City Music Hall, but I would say Carnegie is number one. Carnegie Hall, New York would uh, would be um, a, a dream, a dream. What is it about Carnegie? And oh, the, so the the reason that I say that is I've heard that come up not with comics, but um, I've literally I think I think Glenn Healy just like that's why it's sprouting to my mind. He plays the bagpipes and got to play the bagpipes at Carnegie. <laughs> I'm shitting you not. Like, is it, just, is it just the history? Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, to know to like every, every human that's walked on the planks on that stage are just like, Oh man. Legendary. A, just legendary. Just walking on the same piece of wood that Sinatra, like everybody played that venue. So and and I think it's a a cool. Uh, I mean, if you play if you play Carnegie on your own name, that's it. You you're you're done. You made it. You no no doubt about it. So I think uh, I think that would be that my choice for sure. If you could open for one show, open for one comedian, who are you taking? Somebody tomorrow is calling your phone. Boom, Paul, we need you. Who are you going for? Uh, so uh, dead or alive or alive. No, I'm going to give you the free range. I'll give you the free range. Hedberg. Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. Um, Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, if I could open for any, any, any person, be Hedberg. Really? Yeah. 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 He was my, uh, yeah, I absolutely adored Mitch and basically was doing an impression of him when I first started. I just, uh, he, he'll always, for me, uh, yeah, Hedberg, hands down current one comic one comedian that we should all look up that we don't know about so obviously we've talked a lot about the Chappelle of the world um the bill burr but who's one guy that people probably don't know about uh i would say um and maybe people know yeah he's well okay so i did a comedy competition in seattle in 2006 there wouldn't be a name in comedy that hasn't done this competition it's a month-long competition all over washington state every comedian in america does it um you need a vouch to get into it from a past finalist um to get you into the competition so uh the guy that vouched for me is my podcast partner damon schritter no Uh, kidding he, he yeah yeah so he placed um third in the competition before I even started comedy and then I said um I'd really like to do this can you vouch he said sure and then he's like I'll tell you what I'll I'll go with you well I'll go back into the competition we'll travel we'll travel together <laughs> and uh, and I was like oh really? Oh, so, this is amazing yeah yeah so we went down we did a month together in Seattle and um no Canadian had ever won it and Damon my podcast partner was the first Canadian to ever win it. I came in second. He beat me by a couple of points. Son of a bitch. Fuck Damon. And, uh, fuck Damon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And still every <laughs> every week holds it over my head. Um, and in third place, and it's funny, they have a, that competition has been running for years. They say the spot you want is third because whoever places third in this competition becomes famous. And, um, and it happened. Uh, our good friend, Rory Scoville, um, who, uh, I don't know if you know that name, but, um, that's why I'm going to mention it here because he's a well-known guy, but hasn't quite hit the superstardom yet. He's on his way. 
but he's had Netflix specials. He had his own NBC sitcom. But if you don't know Rory, you got to listen to him. You have to listen. He is phenomenal. And he does a thing that he calls surfing. So keep in mind when you watch him, and Damon, my partner, does it now too, and I'm trying to, but I, um, he goes on stage with nothing in mind. He doesn't have prepared material. So when Rory does a special, it's all off the top of his head, and it's super funny. It's a talent that um, I, I wish I, I one day can learn. So if you don't know Rory, get into Rory. He's uh, he's amazing. Well, and you know, I, I he said, do you know who he is? I'm like, um can't say I've ever heard of him, uh, but now that, uh, you know, you look up, uh, just recently he was on um, Harley Quinn TV series or mm-hmm. Robbie the TV series or super, like he's got like, man, his his uh, list of things he's been on is, just goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, and he's sort of getting like, you know, the the male lead in some movies, like, you know, Amy Schumer's new movie, he was the male lead in that, like he's very successful guy podcast on uh conan o'brien's network and and all that uh all that good stuff so but yeah get into rory and just keep in mind that he's just talking off the top of his head and if you have it's just incredible incredible okay your final one let's take you back to whenever you want so i want you to think of snl you're gonna go to saturday night live for one show you can be a part of any of it what skit and what actors do you want to be a part with it oh uh, hands down christina applegate david spade chris farley phil hartman um when uh chris farley was the motivational speaker and fell through the table uh, van on the van down by the river yeah 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 yeah, yeah. my god if kids don't know what that is look that up right now yeah 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 yeah. for sure i would uh, in no no question about it that's the one i want god would he you know if i could have uh guests on that have passed away chris farley is definitely in the list man he was talented just funny and yeah. like it's so evident in that skit where everybody's like trying to hold it together, but they can't anymore because it's just like, what is, what is going on here? Yeah, David Spade's got his hand over his face the whole time, <laughs> crying, laughing. And just before the podcast started, I don't know why I was watching um, Farley uh, being introduced on the Letterman show. Remember when he runs from the back <laughs> and shakes all the audience members, picks a guy up, throws him in the trash in the alley. Like he was just dynamite man dynamite oh shit that's good that's good well sir i have uh thoroughly enjoyed having you on i'm glad the internet worked this time and we got to do it but uh really appreciate you hopping on and uh all the best to you here in the future oh thank you so much it was a pleasure to get to know you and uh and i can't wait to see and lloyd will have a beer in the harley garage real soon Hey folks, thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time. Check, 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 check. 
Welcome to the podcast, folks. Welcome, welcome. A goal of mine here in 2021 is to be more interactive here. Fuck, Sean. A goal of mine... Fuck, fuck. That's not what I want. It's not what I want. They, uh, you know, I, I, uh... Hmm. Originally from Camrose, Alberta. Nah. Fuck. <laughs> Originally from Camrose, Alberta. He plays second in the pre- Fuck me. <laughs> oh, this is terrible because I know I got to pull this and put it at the end of the fucking episode.